What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camilla. What's up, Chris? Feeling you, Lake and Nation. Feeling you. And we've got another great show for you guys this week. Are the Lakers fools gold after that loss to Memphis? Is Russell Westbrook to blame for the Lakers' struggles? And is THT the only piece that the Lakers have to trade in order to get better? And we've got your NBA news and notes from Kyrie Irving and Clay Thompson returning to the respective teams. And is Memphis the real deal? Can they really take it that far? But mm. I don't know. We, Chris, let's just start off the show by saying it was so good to actually finally meet you in person. Definitely. Um, this was a big moment in the outlet forum podcast history because me and Chris had go back to doing our Showtime forum uh, podcast. And that started actually at the start of COVID in 2020, almost two years ago now. And me and Chris have been rocking out and doing these podcasts and have become pretty good friends over the last few years. And we have finally met in person. We met at the Rams Niners game uh, this past Sunday, and uh, it was a treat. We were in for a good game, but it was so good to meet my boy and um, and his girlfriend. And uh, he met mine and it, it was it was just good, man. Do you have a good time? Oh, it was great. That was my first time at SoFi. Um, I had covered an event at the YouTube theater, which is basically right across the plaza from SoFi. So I actually go in there. It was an amazing experience. It's an absolutely gorgeous stadium. And that atmosphere, dude. Oh, my goodness. Rams and Niners fans. I mean, I, I felt like it was 60-40 Niners fans, but it was an electric atmosphere. So much riding on that game for most of the game. So, uh, But I'll be honest with, with you, Chaz. One of the big moments of that game was actually meeting you and, and your girlfriend, because like you said, we had, we, we've done podcasts together the last two years. We've, we've covered all the great times, the low times between the Lakers winning a championship between uh, the, the COVID pandemic and whatnot. So to actually meet you for the first time in two years in person was a, was a great experience. And uh, of course, you know, uh, we, we had to be chilling at the bar and having a drink together, man. That was awesome. You know, that, that was Just, that was that was great. It, it was good to, you know, toast up one time with you and uh, and, and watch a great game. So, yeah, um, so there's something after that great game that we watched uh, with the Niners and the Rams. There was another great game or not so great game, I should say, that happened in L.A. And the Memphis Grizzlies came into the crypt known as the crypto.com arena now formerly known as Staples center and absolutely blew the doors off the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers were down at one point by, I believe 27 points. Yeah. I think it was in the third quarter. I think it was 20. Who's, oh, who's, who, who's, who's counting. Who's counting. <laughs> right. Right. It, exactly. At, at that point, um, the Lakers were actually able to make a run in the second half uh, with the bench players, including Austin Reeves, Avery Bradley um, and, and many others and so much so to where the starters for the Grizzlies actually had to be put back in Taylor Jenkins put John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And th this is all without Dylan Brooks and Steven Adams, by the way, right. That they did this to the LA Lakers. So what, what was your take, Chris? Did 
is it fool's gold? Are the Lakers just going back to what they were known as uh, before this four game winning streak and winning six out of the last eight or are they, or can they recover from this? Uh, It's been the same thing all season, man. uh, One step forward, two steps back. Every time we think they're going to put together a great stretch. They don't. I mean, they come out just absolutely uh, just flat now. Yeah. They had looked pretty good. Over these last four games, they, they pounded Portland. They took care of business against Minnesota, finally exercised some demons there because remember Minnesota had beaten them handily in their first two meetings. Uh, one of them, uh, and this one was without Carl Anthony Towns. Then they come back, they beat the Sacramento Kings. They beat the Atlanta Hawks, who really kind of in a downward spiral. So you, you beat four teams that are going to be lucky to make the playoffs or even play in, right? So it didn't really speak volumes. This was really the game where you could say, okay, if they beat Memphis and snap that winning streak, now maybe they got something. And like you said, no Dylan Brooks, no Steven Adams. So they're a little bit smaller up front. So it actually works in the Lakers advantage. Cause now you don't have to deal with the physical interior presence. And early on in the game, the game was tight. And then all of a sudden the second part of the second half of the second quarter, things just got away from them. They continued to spiral into the third quarter. LeBron James came out to play. I mean, LeBron over the last month and a half has just been absolutely dominant. I mean, if this is what year 19 looks like, my goodness, you, you talk about this, this dude looks 10 years younger. That's that, that's how great he's been, but where was his help? My goodness, the starters monk Westbrook, Bradley, Stanley Johnson, get this, Chaz, combined for eight for 39 shooting from the floor for 22 points. And yeah, no, if you didn't see the game, you saw the final score, you say, okay, at least the game was competitive. The game was not competitive. No, I mean, it was garbage time. And the Laker reserves, Ellington, Reeves, uh, THT, a lot of those guys got hot. Uh, I think even Kent Bazemore was out there playing. So, I mean, the, the benches were cleared. Right. For the most part, I think LeBron kind of started getting the run going, but not really. They went on a 21 to nothing run so much so that the Memphis coaching staff, like you said, had to put the starters back in to close it out. Jaron Jackson Jr. gets a block on Austin Reeves, and that was pretty much it. But I mean, still, it, it, it was not a close game. I don't I mean, if they would have pulled that off, that would have been something. But uh, it just goes to show you that. Uh, to quote the late, great Dennis Green, they are who they, who we thought they were. And Chaz, we're at the midway point of the season now. We're 41 games in. Lakers are 21 and 20. Nobody expected them to be just a game over 500 at this juncture in the season. Yeah, we figured a slow start, but not for it to drag into the middle of January like we're at right now, man. Just completely inexcusable. And I'm telling you, Memphis is really the sum of their parts, but we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I, I always have to be the glass half full guy, right? Oy, oy. On, on, the, on, on this podcast, at least. And here's a, and here's a deal. When you're paying three players over $120 million, three players making pretty much almost $120 million combined between Russ, AD, and LeBron, you need both of those, all three of those guys to be in consistently. And you haven't had that at all. So while I understand and feel you when you're saying that, you know, we figured that the Lakers would struggle, but we wouldn't have thought that they were only going to be one game above 500 halfway through the season. We're officially at the halfway point. The Lakers have officially gone through 41 games. They have exactly 41 left as we record this podcast. 
I wouldn't have thought that. But at the same time, if you would have told me that Anthony Davis would have missed the last, it's been three weeks now. Yeah. It's been a full, it's been a full 21 days since Anthony Davis um, had his knee ran into by a player of the Memphis, uh, Memphis, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. Yeah. I think it was McDaniel. He's been out and he does so much for the team. He does so much right? Between between rebounding and playmaking and covering up other people's mistakes. And here's also the other thing as well. I want to get into this Laker team had no chance of being as good as the 2020 team. Why? Because of defense, you're asking players who have never been defenders to be defenders in the Frank Vogel system as good as Caruso and KCP and albeit nobody wanted to give them the credit, even Kuzma was doing at certain parts in the season. Right. So now you replace those guys. And I've said this before on, on other podcasts and other shows that we've done already this season, but you replace those guys with Trevor Ariza, who's nothing of the player that you would have thought that he would have been if the Lakers really got him when they really wanted yeah. him three years ago, right. He, coming off the ankle surgery. He's not exactly. He's and, and, he, and, rusty. and rightfully yeah. so he's, he's still rusty, but he's also old, but he's right. also rusty coming off of injury, but Carmelo Anthony, who's never been a defender, Russell Westbrook, who's never been a defender. Mm-hmm. I mean, your best defender right now is Stanley Johnson. As far as consistency yeah. to be Frank, fr- to be frankly honest with, with you, either him or Avery Bradley. Right. I would throw Reeves guys- in there. I would throw Reeves in there as well. I did. I liked the way uh, when Reeves was okay. So, so let me just back it up. I'm just gonna make one case for Reeves, and I'm gonna give it back to you. Reeves had Buddy Heald in shackles. Uh, <laughs> Buddy Heald, who's been a pro- a perennial Laker killer, could not get free from Austin he Reeves, played, he and then. Great defense. Exactly. So as soon as Reeves went out of the game, and they went back to Monk and Bradley and some of these other guys healed it was like a kid in a candy store it got wide open and was able to knock down three so austin reeves i also want to throw into that list because he has been a phenomenal defender and he had a good offensive game on sunday night uh against the grizzlies as well he did and i was at the game on friday when the atlanta hawks were in town and not only did the lakers play great defense but you also had people contributing like they were not doing Sunday against the Memphis Grizzlies. So sure. let's just take those, those two games, right? The game on Friday against the Atlanta Hawks and the game this past Sunday um, against the Memphis Grizzlies. You had Malik Monk put up a career-high 29 points. You had LeBron throw in 30-plus points. You had Carmelo Anthony throw in 17. Russell Westbrook had 21. Avery Bradley had almost 20. So LeBron had help on the offensive end while the Lakers played pretty good defense. Right against the Memphis Grizzlies, they played almost no defense. Yeah. They gave up 80 points within two quarters in the mm-hmm. second and third quarter. Memphis got whatever they wanted. They looked like the faster, younger, fresher team. Shout out to Taylor Jenkins yeah, and what he has done in the Memphis Grizzlies organization. We'll talk more about them later, but shout out to him because that guy can coach. You can see if you know basketball, right? And, 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 the, and this is coming from somebody who doesn't know a bunch of people in NBA circles and everything like that. So I don't know who Taylor Jenkins was before he became the head coach, but obviously many other people do and just props to him for what he's been able to do along with that organization. But the Memphis Grizzlies were able to get whatever it is they wanted. And, and that's because what's going to happen when you don't have your big eraser in Anthony Davis behind manning the paint, especially when you're not playing Dwight and Deandre Jordan, the only two other big men that you have now, I get it was a night that you could have went small because there was no Steven Adams and there was no Dylan Brooks, but LeBron literally had no help. 
Yeah. And, and you could see the frustration. He got into it with Desmond Bain, thought those guys, him as well as the rest of the Grizzlies were, were talking too much, but it's like, Hey man, you're getting rolled on. So these guys are young. They're vibrant. They're confident. I, I want to say, like I said, we're going to get into the Grizzlies nah, a little but, bit, nah, but I feel, I feel the King though. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, I'm still LeBron. Right. I was still, I was still getting Detroit out of the playoffs in 05 before you even decided to even know what an AAU was. So like, that's, that's the attitude that he has. And I completely understand that. And I get it too. I mean, let's be honest. When, when, when these cats were doing long division in the third grade, LeBron James was going into the palace of Auburn Hills and dropping and and dropping 35, 36 points to eliminate, you know, the, the uh, Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups led Pistons. We all know that. However, you also can't blame a young team for feeling themselves because they are taking it to a team that everybody from the start of the season thought was going to run away with the Western conference without even, you know, breaking a sweat and just, Oh, this is the Western conference. Let me brush my shoulders clean. That was the hype for the Lakers. Oh, they got Westbrook and they've got shooting now and they've got, you know, a healthy Anthony Davis and guys are going to be hungry. It has not worked out that way. Quite the opposite. The Memphis Grizzlies have not only been the fourth best team in the Western Conference record-wise, they've been like a top five, six team in, in all of basketball, and they've done it very quietly. So, and here's the other scary aspect. Chaz, they were up 28 in that game, and Ja wasn't even going off offensively. He only had 16. 16 that's points on four of nine that, shooting. That's why I'm giving Taylor Jenkins so much credit, because that yeah. ball was zipping. It was moving. They were able to get what they want, and on paper – they don't have the type of team that you would think right. would be able to do something like they've been able to do, but it's not a roster that strikes fear. Yeah. And considering the fact that John Morant has missed considerable amount of time with that ankle injury right. that he had at the beginning of the season. Oh, and did you see that two handed lob that he had? Okay. We got it. We got it. And, and the I, block I'm and the block on a B. Oh my gosh. Right. See, that's what everybody was talking about this week about John Moran. And, and it's like, you look at the stat line, it's like, what else did this guy do? But it's those kind of plays that just makes him such an exciting player to watch. So, so let me bring it back. Let me just bring it back and answer the question. Is it fool's gold? The answer to me, no, it is not fool's gold. As far as the, is this the real Laker team that came out? No, it's not because the Lakers are still without K none. Mm-hmm. And LeBron James said this, on Friday night, I think it's just giving us um, some some stability, knowing like you know we know guys in the lineups, you know you know the rotation, you know the rotation is going to be crisp, you know everybody kind of know when they're going in, when they're getting subbed out, um, you know uh, who's on the floor and how you're playing with that particular group. So, um, like you said, I said it whenever that was, but um, <clears throat> you know because of the you know COVID at the time and you know hampering our lineups and hampering our players at the time. It was just hard to get that that, com- that chemistry and that camaraderie on the floor. But as of late, as we continue to get guys back from injury and from protocol, uh, we continue to you know work our habits and uh, play some good ball. So there you have it. LeBron James himself telling you that when we were asking the question, can the team be judged? Is this team really, is this who they are? You can't judge the team until you have all their players and you're coming in and out of protocols, you're dealing with injuries. LeBron missed a considerable amount of time to start the season. There was one point where he had missed half the games. The Lakers had only played 12 games and LeBron James had missed six of them. So there's, there's been a lot of inconsistency. You're starting to see guys in the lineup, the same guys in the lineup, right? Albeit without Kendrick Nunn, 
and Anthony Davis, as LeBron just said, you're going to get some consistency. And that's what my main point is. You're going to have games like this within the regular season. And if you're facing what the Lakers have been faced with to begin the season in the first half, hey, I'll take a game above 500. Okay, well, here, here's the issue. And I agree with what LeBron says. Like, even after a win, keeping that perspective, we still don't know where we are yet. We still don't know what we are or where we can go because why? We still don't have Anthony Davis, a major piece of this puzzle. And another piece that we thought was going to be a big piece of this puzzle and Kendrick Nunn, which he could still come back. I mean, the guy's been dealing with the most nagging bone bruise of all time. I mean, at this point, he should have probably just had uh, arthroscopic knee surgery, he probably would have been back sooner. Who knows? But uh, he, uh, apparently he is close to coming back. Frank Vogel is going to play him a lot of minutes. We'll see what kind of impact both of these guys are going to make because here's the thing. Before Anthony Davis went down, let's not act like he was a world beater. Let's not act like he was having this amazing season. Granted, I agree with you. He does cover a lot of mistakes, but he was not having a great season on either end of the floor. So he still has a lot to prove once he gets uh, back, back healthy. Now, here's the problem with trying to say, well, the Lakers still have time. Time is starting to run out a little bit because your margin for error is thinner. What are you trying Most to do? Most definitely. You're trying to avoid that play-in tournament for the second consecutive year. It is a competitive conference because now you've got the Grizzlies in the mix. We all know what Golden State's doing and what they're going to continue to do. You've got Phoenix that's played well. You've got uh, Utah that's, even though they lost the other night to, to Detroit, I mean, they're still, they're still having a really good year. Dallas is in the mix. Denver's playing well, and Denver's eventually going to get Jamal Murray back. So at some point, you're going to run out of spots out of those six. So you have got to put together a stretch, and I even tweeted this out, Chaz. You, you can't just win four in a row. You've got to put together stretches like 15 out of 20, 17 out of 23. You've got to have those types of stretches, and time will tell if the Lakers will have those stretches, you can't go into this. We won four straight. Now we've lost three in a row. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but when you also have a, a performance like you had coming off of a four game winning streak, it reminds people why they've been down on you. It's like this team lacks consistency. They can't rebound. They can't defend at a high level. And if you give them an opponent that's actually knows what they're doing, knows who they are, knows how to spread everybody out. Guess what? They're going to pound on you home away. It's not going to matter. So um, that's, that's the issue. It's that the problems that they had in October and November are still the problems that they have here in January. They are, but I, I I'm just of the belief that once they get everybody back together, um, they'll be much better. But I, I have to ask this question as well. Is Russell Westbrook, the player to blame the most on this team? In a sense, honest question, yeah. honest question for an honest. Answer. Yes. Yes, he is. I, I mean, here's the problem, the expectations, right? You bring in a former MVP, you bring in an all-star, you bring in a gold medalist, you bring in one of the most accomplished point guards in the NBA over the last 13, 14 years, right? You're expecting this guy to take pressure off of your stars. One is getting older and one is injury prone. So if LeBron has to miss time, AD has to miss time, we could still be competitive and play at a certainly uh, a higher level than we were last year. Remember Lakers lost uh, LeBron and AD. What happened? That, that season collapsed and they were basically scratching and clawing just to stay 
in that play-in type situation. So from that aspect, yeah, Russ has failed. I, I'm glad the turnovers are starting to improve, but he, it just seems like he's not defending at a high level. He can't shoot. We all know that. He's not finishing in the paint. And he's not even really breaking out the defense and setting guys up with wide open looks. So it's like, what are you, what are you bringing at this point? Because even the stats that you are putting up, even the triple doubles that you have, they're not leading to wins. So what exactly are you doing at this point? And more than that, I think he's starting to doubt himself as a point guard. Listen what he said after the loss to, to Memphis, to the media on Sunday night. Russ, from a point guard's perspective, what'd you make of? That's funny. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. I wanted to know what you made of John Moran's impact, uh, considering you play the same position, and just what you could say about how he, uh, particularly Um, the the chase down he had on on Avery. You talking about just a play or what? Just Just a block. It's a block. to that group? Um, big for them, bring their downhill speed, um, puts pressure on the defense, does a good job of uh, doing that consistently, uh, which makes him, uh, you know, hard to guard. And you know what? I Before we get back into it, I feel for Dave McMenamin. This is like the second time in a few weeks that McMenamin has been on the wrong side of a, of a virile rust moment. And I'm getting the feeling, Chaz, <laughs> Uh, you you said Brad Turner was was in Russ's sights before, as far as who to troll. I think McMenamin has now taken that from from Turner. McMenamin just doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't know how to do his job right, but sometimes he just he's McMenamin is. And shout out to McTen if you're listening, bro. I I'm a huge fan and would love to have you on the show at any time. But he is a little bit longer winded with his with his questions. Right. Like he gives. And that's fine. It's right. it's 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 actually what LeBron appreciates. Why McMiniman's been able to pretty much follow LeBron for the last what he followed him from Miami to Cleveland to Cleveland, yeah. L.A. Like he's been covering LeBron like for ESPN. For I think a while. it's been it's been the last eight years. I think he started covering him like, the second stint with Cleveland. And, and then he followed him back to L.A. To so, yeah, LA, yeah. so yeah, I mean, so McMenamin's been in the mix for a minute. Yeah, but his his questions are a little bit longer winded. And, you know, with coming off of a loss and not just a loss, but a really bad game that Russ played. So, like, I, look, I'm not absolving Russ at all. You should always treat people with respect and how you would like to be treated. That is the basic necessity of life and how we get through this thing that we call life. But at the end of the day, sometimes I do understand when, you know, you're, you're coming off of a loss, you put up six points, right? You two shot two for 12. You missed the only f- three that you had. You had seven rebounds, six assists, but you were minus 22. The only person that was in a minus as much as you was LeBron, but he had 35 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, 14 of 19 from the field. You can't say nothing about LeBron. So this was just a bad night for Russ. I don't think Russ is the sole player to blame because on, on the same night that Russ had only six points, Malik Monk, who just came off his career high on Friday, put up only seven. Avery Bradley, who had 21, had only seven. Carmelo Anthony, who had 17, had only seven. I mean, you're only having guys put up. Trevor Ariza only had three. Like, yeah. 
Wayne Ellington only, I mean, he did have 16. Wayne Ellington had a, a good night, but a lot of that was in garbage time, yeah. right? When the Lakers were down 20 plus points. Right. Or, yeah. They, they went I on mean, that run. So, yeah. So, so I say I would blame the entire, all of the, what Shaq would call the others, right? I would blame all of the others entirely more than I would blame Russ, but I get that Russ is the one that's making $43 million a year. And he was the star that LeBron wanted. I do have to put a little bit on. I got to put a little bit of blame on LeBron for this as well, because he was one of the guys that wanted Russ. He said, I need this guy and he got him. So So there you go. I can't, I can't, I can't put the blame solely on Russ, but is he the most to blame as far as player in a Laker Jersey? Yes. But I, I just have such, yeah. I have such a hard time saying that because Anthony Davis is in street clothes right now. Uh, well, Charles Barkley. And I'm not calling him street clothes because I was disrespectful. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, he's he's rocking that Amiri, that Gucci, that Givenchy, that he rocking that stuff. He's rocking that. But it's more not than, a Laker, but it's not a Laker uniform. It's not a Laker uniform. You beat me to it. See, we're we're on the same. We are on the same wavelength tonight. Great minds really do think alike. I, I really think that drink that we had at the Rams game has has helped our, our chemistry right closer. now. <laughs> no, but I, I agree with a lot of what you said. So, and it's not even just, you kind of alluded to it. It's not just the on-court production, but it's like, so yeah. So LeBron James does takes have to take some responsibility. This was the guy that he really wanted because he thought this was somebody that was going to help alleviate some of that pressure. So what's the downside of that? Never mind the fact that Russ is short with the media. Never mind the fact that he's temperamental. Never mind the fact that he's played with other stars in recent years and hasn't really had a whole lot of success, especially in the playoffs, whether it be Paul George, James Harden, or recently uh, uh, Bradley Beal. But it's the ABC effect of that contract. You're, you said it. You're making $43 million. So guess what? We went from a top-heavy squad to an even more top-heavy squad so now like 85 to 90% of our cap is locked into three players. So we can't add youthful, athletic, three and D type guys to fill out the rest of our roster because, you know, we're, we're locked into these guys. And those are the types of players, as you saw what Phoenix did last year, what Milwaukee did last year, uh, what, uh, what Miami did two years ago. These athletic wings are the difference between going far and getting getting knocked out early because MB, the NBA, the way the game is played, you need to have almost a positionless lineup where you could switch out onto different players, whether it be in the perimeter or down in the paint. So, that, yeah, that is where the Russell Westbrook contract came into an effect because now with three contracts draining your cap, you're basically left at the Salvation Army trying to bargain bin. So the question really becomes at this point, if this is what we have to work with, how can the Lakers get better? And I'll tell you how on the other side of this break. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all. 
Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? <laughs> Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. If In case you haven't already done so, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter at the Outlet Forum as well as Instagram. And be sure to download and follow all of our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio, and we are also on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. Going back to the Lake Show, the question is, with all of the issues with this squad, can they get better externally? We talked about how, what they need to do internally. What can they do externally? We've heard the murmurs. We've heard the reports. We're getting closer to February. That's usually the time when the NBA trade deadline starts to hit, a lot of moves. And Jeremy Grant, who I'm a huge fan of from the Detroit Pistons. I know he's been out with the thumb injury that he's still recovering from. Hopefully the Pistons get him back soon. His name has been linked to the Lakers, among others. I know Miles Turner's another one from the Indiana Pacers. And really the only trade ship or one of the only trade ships, I, I should say, that the Lakers have to move would be Taylor Horton Tucker. Three years, $38 million, kind of been an up and down season for, for THT. Uh, but at this point, if you had to ship off THT to get Grant and Detroit says, nah, you, you got to give us some more. What else do the Lakers have that actually has value in order to make a, a substantial move? The name might ring a bell for somebody that might be listening to this, but the name goes by the name Nathan Oswald Jr. The third Nathan, nothing. Meaning no <laughs> assets whatsoever. The Lakers can't have, don't have anything else to give. Nothing. You can't trade minimum deals for minimum deals. You can't trade. You're not going to trade LeBron and AD. You could, but you won't. No one's going to take on that Russell Westbrook deal. No. Unless you're the New York Knicks, but probably not even still. So all you got is THT. But what I... I got something for you guys. I left you guys hanging at the end of the break, right? And I told you that the Lakers might have some kind of reinforcements coming. And those reinforcements are going to come in the form of Kendrick Nunn. That is going to be the player at the deadline that the Lakers are going to get back. I'm not banking on Jeremy Grant. I'm not banking on Miles Turner. I'm not banking on anybody else coming to the Lakers that is not already in the Lakers practice facility doing work. Mm. It's absolutely going to be Kendrick Nunn because that's all they got. You're not going to get rid of THT. He's too young. He has too much upside, right? I was at the game, like I said, on Friday, and I saw him do an in-and-out move off of a pick, go middle, jump from the dotted line, and absolutely bang one. Mm. And on the next possession, got a pass from LeBron James, Clean pass to the corner, knock down a corner three. His shooting is starting to improve. It is. Okay. There was yeah. one point where he was shooting 24% from three. He is now above 30%. We're making progress. Baby steps, yeah. right? Got to walk before you can run. Of course. Run before yeah. you can sprint. But THT is not going to be traded. 
There's not going to be any other team that is going to do a deal with the Lakers. The Lakers might pick up somebody on the buyout market, which is why the Lakers are looking to keep some kind of flexibility. That's why that roster spot is still open and Stanley Johnson got signed to another 10-day deal. But Kendrick Nunn is going to be that player because if you think about it, Kendrick Nunn was going to be the rookie of the year at one yeah. point yeah. in 2019-2020 in his first season. He put up 15 points. He was averaging three assists, two rebounds. He was shooting 85% from the, from the free throw line. And he played well. percent from the field. I mean, he yeah. is the exact type of player that the Lakers need. Somebody else that could fill up the buckets, some another ball handler, mm-hmm. somebody else who can play some defense, right? He comes from the Pat Riley School of Hard Knocks with the Miami Heat and Eric Spolstra system. So I believe that player is not going to be any of these Miles Turners, uh, Jeremy Grants, and none of those type of players. It's going to be Kendrick Nunn, I believe, because the Lakers are going to get him back right before the All-Star break, maybe even a little bit before the All-Star break by maybe even by the end of January of this month in January. So that, that would be my answer to the question. Do the Lakers have anything else other than THC? The answer to me is simply no. Well, here's the thing. I I do think you bring up a lot of great points about Kendrick Nunn and not to mention Laker fans should be somewhat familiar because Kendrick Nunn filled in admirably after the injury to Goran Dragic in the 2020 finals in the bubble. So This dude can play, and he gave the Lakers the business throughout that series. Uh, The issue I have with what you're saying is the fact that do the Lakers need to have that sense of urgency, which also could include bringing in a third team? Because here's my thing. The wing position has been a problem. Defensively, lack of size, lack of athleticism. Jeremy Grant crosses off a lot of those boxes for them. And He's under contract for one more year. So if you were theoretically to make a deal for him, he's what, 27, 28 years old. He's a guy who could score. He's a guy who could shoot from downtown. He's a guy who could guard four to five positions on the court, making him an ideal person to play between LeBron and Anthony Davis in this new small ball type lineup. And He's played alongside stars before, Chaz. Like, this would not be a new avenue for him. He played alongside Jamal Murray and Jokic in uh, Denver. He played alongside Paul George and uh, Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. So this would not be a new strategy. But you're right. Do the logistics of it, of of such a deal, considering Grant's value. Don't forget, he was runner-up for most improved player last year. He's averaging around 20 points a game. He is a the prototypical wing player three and D the one I was talking about earlier before the break. So yeah, his value is up and the other teams that are linked to grant could put together more attractive packages than the Lakers can. All I'm saying is the Lakers need to do something externally. I think if you just bank on AD and Kendrick Nunn, it may solve some of their problems, but it won't solve the issues on the wing, which not it's, it hasn't even just been defense. They've been getting out rebounded like that game where Minnesota had like a million offensive rebounds. It's not like Minnesota had two, seven footers out there. It was their wings outworking the Laker wings and beating them to those loose balls. That's where I think the Lakers issues are, are, are at. It's definitely on the perimeter. Deandre Jordan and Kent Bazemore 
will either be cut. They'll either just be straight waived or they'll be traded. Yeah. And those roster spots will be opened up for players that are going to be available on the buyout market. The buyout market isn't as lavish as it was these last few years. That's good. There's, there's not very many players out there. There's going to be a lot of players that want to stay with their perspective, perspective teams. Um, there's a lot of teams that are actually still jumbled up and, are buyers rather than sellers. There's not a whole, there are a lot of terrible teams, but there are, are a lot of teams that are jumbled up in the standings, right? Because you have the play in tournament. So exactly. you, because you have the play in tournament, now you have less teams that are going to be willing to give up their good players or talk about buyouts or even wave players for that matter. So I just don't think that the Lakers are going to be able to get too much better. You're going to just have to get better with what you have. But I do, I will say that, those two roster spots in DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore will be opened up at some point. And if Stanley Johnson continues to play like he's been playing, um, he'll get one of those spots and you know, whoever else might become available might be able to get one of those spots as well. But with everything that's going on with the Lakers, there's so much going on around the league and we, we, we would be remiss if we didn't get to any of it. We have to start with the return of Clay Thompson. It was clay day. This past Sunday, I thought it was very, very cool that the Warriors players all arrived to the arena and warmed up in different versions of a Clay Thompson 11 jersey. I thought that was classy cool. like that. There's yeah. there, there's there, there was nothing really better than that. And Clay said that, you know, he felt like he had just won the championship or like just got drafted. Like the feeling that he got when he was sitting on the bench as he was getting introduced for the first time, they left him last. He was the last to get introduced. Um, he actually started the game. He didn't come, you know, off the bench. He got a dunk. He dunked on somebody in his first game, hit a bunch of f- floaters and threes, had over 20 points. I mean, yeah, it it was a comeback for the ages for considering the amount of time that he missed, the type of catastrophic injuries that he had, and how much he meant to the Warriors organization as well as the NBA. Yeah. Clay Thompson, one of my favorite players, class personified. I mean, he is NBA royalty because uh, look who his dad was, Michael Thompson, former NBA great Laker champion, current color commentator on the uh, on the radio broadcast. Michael Thompson is beloved and Clay is, too. I mean, him as well as his brothers, good guys, all professional athletes in one aspect or another. So uh, it, it was two devastating injuries that probably could have ended his career Chaz. I mean, when you really think about it, he could have just said, man, I'm going into a medical retirement. I'm done. But he fought back. He did the rehab. He did the work two different times within two years that had to have been demoralizing, frustrating anger. He must've felt every sort of emotion you could, you could imagine over the last two years, but you know what? It all led to that point, the roar of the crowd, the support of his teammates, his coaching staff. And it was so good to see him back out there and played well, you know, 17 points, seven of 18 shooting, not bad. And, you know, as if Golden State didn't need any more help, it, it's it came in the form of Clay Thompson and probably James Wiseman in the not so distant future. So Warriors are going to continue to be one of the one of the best teams in, in basketball, and uh, it's going to be they're going to be a tough out, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I, the Warriors are going to be scary because all I could think when I was watching that was, damn, they got that much better, <laughs> and they still got Wiseman to go. Yeah. And they're the number one team in the NBA right now. I mean, look, I know, I know there was a point where the Suns, I believe, 
technically got into the number one seed, but I, I don't care what anyone says. It was it's definitely the Golden State Warriors. We also got to talk about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, um, as you guys know, if you guys listened to the last pod, I was not very fond of uh, Kyrie Irving coming back to the Nets on a part-time basis. I thought it spoke to the level of inconsistent integrity that Sean Marks and Joe Sy and Steve Nash had displayed with the Nets. But I, I would be wrong in saying that the game didn't miss one of its best talents and that it wasn't fun to watch Kyrie beat up on the Indiana Pacers and have such a key performance in yeah. finishing that game off. Um, the game that he played against the Spurs as well um, to see how happy KD was in the post game. It's just good for the game, right? Yeah. To have a player of that talent magnitude uh, be on the court, be somewhere where they should be, right? Mm. A player of that caliber shouldn't be at home. Um, I, I do get that it's a bigger issue because it's a public, again, public yeah. health safety issue. A lot of people say that it's, hey, it's my privacy, my HIPAA rights, HIPAA laws, and People don't even know what that means. When you're putting the other general public at risk by not protecting yourself, it's it's a public health emergency or or issue. But yeah. overall, uh, I love to see Kyrie out there doing his thing. I did say on the last pod, I hope they lose every game that he plays in. Um, I was probably taking a little bit too far, but it's just it's good to see him out there. And uh, you know, props to him for uh, handling it well. I th- I think he's handle the the comeback well he hasn't you know said anything smart or slick or anything like that or any i told you so's or anything like that it's just kind of it's just been ball since he's been back this past week and uh it's good to see i think with both of these guys what we've seen is their their true love for the game i mean when this is what you've done your whole life and obviously in clay's case it's different these were basketball related injuries in, in Kyrie's case it was do I get vaccinated? Do I not get vaccinated? I'll say this. Like I said, I don't agree. Chaz, you don't agree. But at the same point in time, this is what your decision is. I mean, these are grown men. They've got to incur the risk. The league has to assess how much risk they're willing to take on as teammates, all of those things. I mean, people are getting vaccinated and boosted. And guess what? Still testing positive, still getting sick, still still coming down with this Omicron uh, uh, Different variants. So, exactly. So, I mean, this is just what the situation is. So. If, if his team is supportive of it, his coaches are supportive of it, the organizations are supportive of it, the league is cool with it. Because remember, in every state and every city, there's different sort of protocols and mandates that you know what it is, what it is. It's not ideal. You know, basketball players are just like with any team sport. You want to have that repetition. You want to be there in every game. But if, this, if I'm getting this dude 50% of the time, I guess that's better than none of the time because Brooklyn's kind of been up and down. They, they needed something to give them a jolt. And, 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 and I think, like I said, like, I, and I pointed that out last week, Kyrie could provide that for them, that spark, that energy, that sense of, of something is new and fresh. And, you know, if that can get everybody else going and, and get them back toward the top of the East, then so be it. Not ideal, but it's what it is. I, I, what else can you say at this point? We can't beat a dead horse, man. Can't beat a dead horse. And we got the Memphis Grizzlies doing their thing. Mm. The Memphis Grizzlies have won nine in a row. They just beat up on the Anthony Davis-less Lakers. Uh, That did also have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook out there. But 
is Memphis the real deal? Can they really take it all the way? Or, you know, do you, or do you not really believe in what they can do this season? They, they've been impressive. And you pointed this out earlier, and I couldn't agree with you more. The fact that they were able to win at a high level without John Morant told you everything you needed to know. This is a team, the sum of their parts. They've got a 10 deep rotation. They're well coached with Taylor Jenkins, who, by the way, I just realized this. He was in health and safety protocols. He wasn't even coaching against uh, the, the Lakers on Sunday night. So uh, they're, they keep that train moving forward. It's a next man up mentality. You've got jaw. You got Jaron Jackson, Jr. Uh, Dylan Brooks, who's currently out with an ankle injury, probably going to miss the next month. That's going to be a big blow, but you've got guys like Desmond Bain playing well. You've got Tyus Jones chipping in. You've got Steven Adams when he's healthy, Xavier Tillman, uh, this guy, Con, Con, uh, Contran, or, I mean, guys, you don't haven't even heard of just playing really well. So they really are the sum of their parts. They, they're not quite the old grindhouse Grizzlies with Zebo and Rudy Gay and, and, and Conley and Allen and Marcus Saul, but they're still a damn good team to uh, that, that's very talented and a really fun team to watch. I think they can make it to the second round of the playoffs, but I can't see them beating Phoenix or Golden State in a seven-game series. Now, if they come up with a veteran wing score to offset Morant and some of those other guys, Maybe they could do something. And I still think they should have gone harder after DeMar DeRozan this past offseason because that really could have been a piece that, that, that could have kind of like what DeRozan is doing in Chicago. He could have done in Memphis, in my opinion. But that will lead to their, uh, to their shortcomings. What are your thoughts on the Grizzlies? How far can they go? First round. That's about yeah. it. That's it. Short and sweet. That's it. That's, that's it. I mean, that's not bitterness. Uh, that just beat up on the Lakers talking, right? No, I mean, look, <laughs> let's, 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 let's assume they're not going to get really any, let's just, let's just assume they get as high as the, the three seed, right? They would play Denver right now. Can they beat Denver in a seven game series? I don't think so. Mm. It would be close, but I don't think so. Could they beat the Timberwolves? Yes. Could they beat the Clippers? Yes. Could they beat the Lakers? Yes. Without Anthony Davis? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just depends on how it shakes, but I just, I don't see them really getting out of the first round, to be honest with you. Could they? Yes. But second round tops. And that's, and it would take seven games in that first round series to do it. They, they wouldn't sweep anybody or gentlemen sweep anybody. So they're a great, they're a good team that has to learn how to win that haven't done absolutely anything. So that was a reason why LeBron was, he was like, no, I'm not going to chill because I got four rings and they got nothing. The little whippersnappers wet behind the ears, breath smell like Similac. Shout out Stephen A. I mean, <laughs> nah, man, he's not yeah. chilling. And I, and I don't, and I don't, I've completely felt him when I saw that clip. Yeah. Um, speaking of which I, I got to go right into it. That, clip of lebron james saying that he is not going to chill is my social media post of the week hmm. and that okay. clip came from uh wob <laughs> wob oh okay that that that, that that's well your, that's shout out to wob thanks for posting that clip saying lebron ain't gonna chill he's not just gonna allow these young whippersnappers to to come in uh mine is from at Josiah Johnson, King Josiah, 54. You all know him. He has 
the funniest clips, the funniest memes ever. And mine is Lakers watching LeBron carry the team. And it's a picture of a guy shoveling snow uh, on the driveway by himself. <laughs> and the angle is like from a second story window. So basically you're watching somebody wipe off the snow by themselves when it looks like a three or four man job. That is, that is hilarious. So that's been the Lakers trying to, uh, trying to, basically lean on LeBron James to keep them competitive this season. And uh, that's great stuff as always by King Josiah. Couldn't have said it any better myself, my <laughs> guy. That does it for us on this week's episode of the Outlet Forum podcast. Follow us on all social media. Like Chris has said earlier, we are on Instagram at the Outlet Forum and on Twitter at Outlet Forum. Follow me personally on Twitter, at Chaz Pearson, on Instagram, at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter, at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm also on Instagram, see Camelo one and Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in every single week. Happy New Year. Hope the first two weeks of the year have gone well for you. Stay healthy, stay safe out there. Peace. Peace.